But you could call me the can man, because anybody can get it. Unbelievable! Dana! 60 G's, baby! <laughs> Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler! Welcome to episode 88 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, so I'm joined by Tom Kennett. And Alex Jones has joined us this week. Another late cancellation by him last week. But uh, thankfully me and TK managed to hold down the fort. We kept things going. Out of my hands. Out of my hands. Those ramifications. <laughs> Alright, so before we get into it, I did think uh, I'd wait until we are on air, Alex. I do have a bit of a bone to pick with you. Um, I was actually speaking to TK about this earlier at lunch. Uh, I feel like you've got a bit of resentment towards me recently. You keep coming for my coming for my neck. It, what in terms of like me asking to see if you want to go and watch Overlord on a Wednesday night, cute cinema day, there's and been, you're rejecting me? There's been venom in everything you've said to me it, it, over a group chat message. Yeah. The thing is, though, like that's how you're reading the messages. I mean, like it's not really fair to assume. I was going to say not... Luke does take things rather personally. Yeah, and I think if he read back some of his messages, he might think that he has been a bit venomous. Yeah, like... he essentially dishes out what he wants, and then if someone says something <laughs> a bit nasty back to him, he, he normally says, "No, that was spiteful or nasty, or whatever." Like really, off like how you read those messages is how you know it's reflections of how you feel. I mean. No, are I, you are you upset with I've, me? I've had I've had several others come to me and say like, "Are you okay?" I know Alex has been quite, <laughs> Alex has been quite nasty recently. Really now, really yeah, now. Well, nice. well, we can rule out if one of those is Sean Shoot. Don't count. He's not in the chat, so he's not in the chat. No, okay. Neutral, neutral sources. Yeah, neutral sources, eh? Well, well, as I said, you read the messages yeah, how you want. Maybe one came a little close to home. Oh. Which one? The closest to home. That... Come on, let's lay out. Let's lay out. Let's let let let's get this. Let's get. Let's how, get... how close to home can it be from that chat? <laughs> it could almost be someone from his own home. <laughs> well, anyway, moving on. Now we've got that quashed. Not much happened on this day, so we've got a bit of a uh, boring couple of weeks in terms of on this day. I could do on this week, but I didn't really want to sour the. Uh, Topic. So, exactly. So, I've so I've got some uh, strange news, and I didn't really want a uh, war rant from Alex. (laughs) So we've left that. So, first story this week: youngest lottery winner is offering a lot of money to any man who will date her. Euro Euro Millions winner Jane Park. Yeah, it's the youngest ever Euro Millions winner. I think she she won about sixty million or, or something close to that, and she's offering a salary of sixty thousand to any man prepared to date her. She says she wants. She said she's sick of guessing whether it's all about the money, and so she'd rather just get that out of the way early, and not have to worry about kind of funneling money in. And she said she'd like the feeling of within that salary, her boyfriend then being able to take her out. <laughs> I just want to clarify something. Is that salary per week or month? Yearly. That's, that's what sixty-five a year? Sixty grand a year for somebody who's won the lot. For sixty million, was it she won? Yeah, around that. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. But you got to pay for some drinks on like your own card. To be fair, maybe that's quite clever because sixty-five thousand over the year, rather than just gifts of lump sums. Yeah. But that's what she's might saying. actually work out that she does. Maybe she's got the brains in. She's well, like not gonna. That's like, what she's saying. She's twenty-three years old. Alex is baffled by the idea of having to pay for something on a date. It's obviously his business obviously pays for everything. The confusion on his face when you said that. 
I could have said something really mean then, but I care about your feelings, and clearly I've been way too aggressive recently. Yeah. So I'm gonna just hold in what yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, 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 she's obviously got a bit too much money because rather than just kind of put this out as like a vague thing, she's actually set up a website for people to apply, send in documents and all sorts like this, so they can like properly, as in like a job application. Is it like a? Prohibition? I don't have the website, and if I did, I wouldn't want to lower my chances with if you two were to apply so well is there like a is there like a period of like notice and like what are the contract deals you know is there like a probatory period of like six months or something like that you know see how it works i think a probation period would be needed wouldn't it i think it's crucial probation yeah from the sound of her i don't want to sound like a pig but she can't be the best looking girl if she's she's filthy rich and having to pay someone to go out with her She's actually not bad. Like I was surprised. No. I was surprised when uh, I saw the story. In which case, she must have to be an absolute nightmare. That's why the the probation period would be mutual. It have to be both ways because I feel like the bloke's going to need some time to work out what's wrong with this if girl. Because yeah. if she's okay to look at, there must be something deeply, deeply wrong here. What nationality is she? Is she British? Is she all? But she's British. If a bloke found a homeless woman in the street who was good looking and was interested in. He might think, "Yeah, I'll take you home." Oh my word! I mean, she's done herself up, but she's not bad looking. Mm. Maybe not AJ's type, but more so. I can tell all I need to know from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can tell she's rich. Throwback, a, throwback statement. I want a slap on her face. <laughs> all right, so we uh, we know Alex won't be applying, but one less person for me and TK to compete with. Okay, so the next headline: Man seventy-eight punches bear in the face during attack. <laughs> during what attack? So the the story was uh, Sonny Pumphrey, the guy's name is, he was cleaning some fallen leaves on his driveway in White Oak, North Carolina, when he came face to face with a mama bear and her two cubs. Uh, The two cubs were smart enough to run away and uh, stay out of this crossfire. But uh, the female bear decided to charge at him. And in his own words, he couldn't move left and he couldn't move right at his age. So he did all he knew how and started swinging punches. Fight or flight. Hey, that's exactly what you've got to do in that wow. situation. I mean, you know what you do with a shark? You do the exact same thing. If it's swimming at you, you bump it on the nose. Um, so, yeah, he said he went with his natural instincts, yeah, so he just started slugging at the bear as hard as I could. Uh, he said he managed to land a few punches before she got a hold of him and started to jerk him around like a rag doll. So, the wife then hears this commotion from the house, does what she thinks is uh, the most obvious thing to do, and so she charged outside with her little Yorkshire Terrier to bark <laughs> at the dog and try to scare it. It actually no. so happened that no. the woman and the dog between them created enough of a racket that the bear did flee. <laughs> she also had some like no. emergency services on the way, but the bloke got away with kind of like a couple of scratches. I'm, not, I'm absolutely not having it. It's a fucking bear. Have you seen the size of those things? A bear has not been scared off by a bloke swinging punches at him, his old wife, and their shitty little Yorkshire Terrier coming at him. Stranger things have happened in the wild. I don't know that they have. If it's in the news, you believe it. It's, it must be true. Exactly. Um, he he also said that's the last time I leave the house without a gun. So that's the moral. <laughs> that's that's the moral of this story. Don't leave your house without a gun. Bears are seriously misunderstood creatures. No, it takes me back to that awful film, The Revenant. I haven't seen it, so I can't comment. It's good. It's Although you'd of... like to think that I have... To... That'd be everything you'd love. Yeah, you would. You would like it, and then we'd argue about it. Well, I, the thing is, I, I, value, I value your film opinion, and because of your, your comments on that, I haven't been overly fussed about trying to watch it. It's it's three hours long. There's It's an exciting start with a bit of a battle, and obviously the bear attack... Then a lot of scenery, him crawling around as he kind of tries to regain his life. And then there's an exciting bit at the end. So watch the first 20 minutes, the last half an hour, and you'll be sorted. He didn't say what type of bear this was, did he? No. I'm just thinking, it. Where, where was it? I'm just thinking maybe this could... Maybe he could have just met a gay guy. Grizzly. <laughs> maybe he's referring to him as a bear. He had him backed into a corner and he got his wife involved. Uh, what about the two cubs? <laughs> I would imagine if it's... Um, I don't... So if his mate is just run off and now I want none of this. It's either going to be a black bear or a grizzly bear. It's a grizzly bear would fuck him up. I'm not having it. 
Who knows? Maybe it was a big bloke, big seventy-eight-year-old. <laughs> do you remember the thing is? Um, I I don't suppose. Do you remember? I know you don't like Top Gear, do you? You no, don't. Terrible. No, you don't like Top Gear. But if you ever watched like the Polar Special, obviously they talk about the wildlife and stuff yeah. up there. And like uh, polar bears, it's like a they know when you're vulnerable. So literally, they're a thing to sneak up on, like somebody who's having like going to the toilet or something like that, would be something that a polar bear would do, which is foul play on their part. So what we're trying to say is at least. Polar bears, at least, sorry, at least grizzlies and black bears played by the rules. Polar bears, however, nah, no joy. All right, going on to another story then, which is potentially more harmful. So, uh, a couple with Britain's largest family welcome their 21st child. Same mother. Yep, Sue and Noel Radford, they've been together since they were kids and they had their first child together when they were just 14 and 17 years old. Oh, that's, that's, I, I, that's illegal. Yeah, I hope it was the bloke that was 14 at least, despite it not being okay. I just don't <laughs> want a 14-year-old to have to go through that. It definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't. <laughs> uh, she was born early on Tuesday morning, following a labour that lasted only 12 minutes. What, is this the 21st one? Is that yeah. that stage? It's, just, it's slipping out. There ain't no pushing at that point. Walking out. <laughs> um and despite them having 21 kids, the pair are now adamant that this is the last time they'll travel down this road. Uh, so they are both claiming this is the last one. The bloke had actually had a vasectomy and then reversed it because he realised, no, I still want more. He said they only dreamed of having three between them, but sometimes when it feels right, you just keep going. Zero I, I'm is not going to comment on well, this. Well, it's at the point now where they have grandchildren with the children that they've early that they had oh, from the start so God. it's like a never ending cycle here and it's almost like a Disney film as well because they live in a uh, converted family home that doubles up as a bakery and that's uh, their family business what a lovely setup exactly um, so oh yeah so it says Sue is going to have to find something else to do with her time now she spent a total of 811 weeks pregnant which totals up to over 15 years pregnant <laughs> I swear, like, every school had that. Like, there was one family that just repeatedly just kept firing out kids. I mean, I don't know, unless it was just us, but there was about two families between them, and they literally, the mum was constantly pregnant. Uh, I don't think there was any any else at all. Not really. Mm. No, not quite. There's always a few, but have you ever thought about, like, you see someone walking around at work, a woman at work, and you think she's just incessantly pregnant? <laughs> Mm. Like that character in Family Guy is just constant, just always pregnant. What's the film? At least that's a cartoon. I was, I'm sure of cons- women I've seen. I do the laps of the building thing, and you're still pregnant. What, what's the film? The um, Cheaper by the Dozen. Good, good, good series of film though. To mm. be fair. Mm. Well, but there was there was a woman that uh, knew my mum. So hopefully, I mean, her and none of her family's listening. I'm just putting her business out here. That's why I won't say how we knew her. But uh, essentially, she was told at one point that she couldn't have kids. And so when she had her first kid, they just from there assumed well, it can't possibly happen again. And so for the next however long, she was just constantly just popping kids out, believing, oh, I didn't think it would happen. So you can't turn this down when you get it. you got a feel for boss man there. He thinks he's been given a free pass by the doctors. So finish inside all you want, no problems. And he's now having to pay the price. One word, irresponsible. <laughs> Tell me about it. Okay, anyone else have anything else they want to chuck out here before we move on to the latest football news? Okay, so probably the main topic of conversation this week was uh, the Champions League. Is it against Moscow? Yeah, uh, yeah the team. No, uh, Shakhtar, yeah, Shakhtar. I like their kit, that's how I've remembered. So Raheem Sterling kicked into the ground, fell over. The referees believed that uh, he was fouled and given a penalty and... Weirdly, the discussion seemed to have been split. Some saying that Sterling should have held his hands up, said, you know what, I kicked the ground, told the referee, you need to change your decision here. You got this wrong. And others are saying, don't be so stupid. Like, this wouldn't happen. And even if I did say, he wouldn't have changed his mind anyway. So uh, where do we stand, Alex? Uh, um, I think it's one of those... Uh, if you're in... if you're So if I'm Sterling in that situation, I like to think that I would have like the honour to sort of like... Not like put my hand up and say no. Though I put myself to the ground there, not in like pers- intentionally as a dive, but 
you cannot know what you'll you just don't know what you do in that situation with that game pressure and everybody on your shoulders in like you know you just don't know how you react in that situation but i i it's the wrong thing to do if you're a fan it's still the wrong thing to do but you're happy that you got away with it well when every defender that fouls a striker and gets away with it starts telling the ref hang on ref I did foul in there. You've missed it. You've thought he's dived or you thought maybe it was just a coming together. Then I'll start to see that side of the coin, but it's definitely not a one-sided thing. And if we're going to start going down that route, then we're going to have the fairest game in the world. There's going to be... <laughs> uh, like, that, that's what we've said about this in the past. Like, that that element of theatre and controversial uh, situations that happen in football adds to the whole... adds to the experience of the game. Um, so I can't see, I'm not saying that, like, I think it should change in that direction. I'm just saying that I th- I would like to think that I would have the balls to sort of be a bit different and sort of go, yeah, okay. Like that was me, but I'm not expecting every player to do it. And like, g- given the same, do you know what, given the same, if the same, if I were to, you know, stand at the ones and go, right. Yeah, no, I fell to the form myself there. It was nothing to do. It's not a foul. And then, if you put me in the same situation again a few years down the road and it was like a final or something like that, you know, I wouldn't say that I'd be able to do the exact same thing again. You just don't know. It's a, in the heat of the moment. I think that was part of it, wasn't it? The fact that they were already 1-0 up at home to Shakhtar probably end up going to probably gonna roll it. Uh, they ended up winning like 6-0, was it? So there wasn't that element of concern. But then maybe he would get even more attention, say if he'd done it in the last minute to steal the winner. Probably even worse, wouldn't it? But, did he appeal it? Did he like appeal for a penalty? He just didn't really do anything. He just kind of went that. See, I think with that one, it's such a stupid decision that regardless of, even if he did like appeal it, which would be pretty shameful, but even if he did, the referee and the officials have got to spot it. He's, you can see, it's not even hard to work out that he's kicked the turf, which he should probably be a bit embarrassed about is professional footballers tripped himself up. But the referee, they, they've got officials behind the goal that don't, appear to be doing anything. The very least they should be able to spot that. And if they don't, I don't think it's too much to ask for the ref to be able to spot that one. No, I don't think any player is going to do it. I think it has happened previously where it's happened and the player has told the ref and they still maintain their decision. My man Robbie Fowler did it against Arsenal. Ref still gave the penalty. Fowler missed on purpose. Got him a fair play award. I think they, don't think they won the game though. So... <laughs> No, that, that's that's the thing. I mean, if 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 it's going to be rewarded in some way, then maybe you're going to have a bit more of an incentive to do it. But that's not a selfish thing. No, either, no one, that's uh, I'll, I'll I'll say that because at the end of the day, Sterling would have had what a couple of days worth of people praising him, and then it would have gone back to just being completely forgotten about, and he'd been trashed by the exact same people. And the same people criticizing him would probably have criticized him if he had gone on and said it. So say he does that. Shakhtar go down the other end and score. City miss out on going through to the next stage of the Champions League. He's going to get slandered and say, look, the decisions go both ways. When one goes in your favour, you absolutely take it and you're an idiot if you do otherwise. Because I think he's got to care more about what his manager and his teammates say than Alan Brazil on TalkSport. <laughs> We're trending on dangerous ground here as well because we know Sterling is above criticism. If, if you do criticise him, then you are just a racist Daily Mail reader. <laughs> regardless of what he does do <laughs> uh, this is TK's kept this sterling hatred in for a while and it, it gradually lets it creep out <laughs> no 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 I, my, my only thing was um, and we said it during the World Cup that um, like when he plays garbage let's say he played garbage I I always thought when he was at Liverpool he was um, shortchanged as well because he was kind of billed as this sort of like troublemaking kid and I thought I've never seen that while he's been at Liverpool even when even when he asked for like, a transfer web, okay, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth. But it wasn't... There's plenty of footballers have done it. So, yeah, the, obviously, <laughs> the headlines they kind of give him out and for no good reason are ridiculous. But that doesn't mean you can't play shit at football and we can't say you play shit at football. At the World Cup, we were doing his running stats to, <laughs> to try and justify how good he's playing. We did the Dirk Kite syndrome. I'll tell you what, it's a good thing that Poppy is printed on the shirt. Imagine he forgot to put his on. <laughs> <laughs> He'd have been absolutely murdered. Do you see the stuff with uh, not to get too not to get too political on here? But uh, 
the Daily Mail criticising the size of Jeremy Corbyn's poppy <laughs> and the colour jacket he wore. Is that code? No, they said that he wore a uh, navy jacket rather than the standard dark grey or something along oh, these lines and his pin was too small. You've got too much time on it. Yeah, I think... Uh, like I said to you earlier this week, TK, that I was, I was seeing from a certain someone a post about if you don't like the poppy, then get out of the country. I've never had any inclination like that until I hear around this time of year, you get the odd uh, like European footballer that pops up saying, you know what, I just don't like uh, the abundance of games we get this close to Christmas and it's just really hard. And at that point, I'm thinking, well, if you don't like it, <laughs> you can get out, you can go back there. That's as, cl- that's as close as I'm going, and this weekend you'll have seen uh, far worse than that. James right. Mac- James McLean's inbox was uh, full, I'm sure. Well, international break's coming up. Whoever thought it was a good idea to get Republic of Ireland against Northern Ireland <laughs> coming up, James McLean is going to have an interesting game there. <laughs> I-, I thought it was weird. During the game yesterday, the uh, Arsenal-Wolves, they were they did the standard... Uh, Last post for for a start. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I didn't know it went on so long. It seems the the the, uh, the last post. I swear it was short in school. This one went on absolutely ages. But there was yeah. this bloke who was uh, filming the entire thing, and I thought, oh, what a strange, what a strange thing to Is film. That disrespectful. Well, that's oh, the thing. God. Like everyone's silent, and he was down there at the bottom just with his phone like that. Mind you, it's, I, I've seen blokes down at the football before. I think it might have been Sam I was with, or it's either that or it's my uncle. And this bloke Facebook lived the first twenty minutes of the game, and he was fully like in on his angles, like making what? sure he had it. And it was on TV. <laughs> so there is this weird thing, like I'm going off topic here, but like all these vlogs you see, the fan TVs doing, people like filming themselves on a selfie stick for the entire game. People when they get a penalty and they whip their phone out to film the penalty in a free kick in a corner. Oh, it makes it's it's for I everything. Don't though, isn't it? at all. It's for everything. Like everybody films everything at the moment. It's like. With um, like the concerts you go to and stuff like that, I was doing my nut at the Coldplay mm. concert with people just filming the entire. There was a guy; they said no selfie sticks in the concert, but this guy slyly stood with the selfie stick the entire thing and filmed the entire thing. They they release a freaking DVD for Christ's sake! <laughs> Why this, are you filming it? They, really no, it's ridiculous like... because it constantly gets in your way. It's like you just get this. To be phone. fair, he's blocking you seeing Coldplay. He might be doing you a favour. Excuse me. <laughs> Did you know on the way to this Coldplay when Alex was stuck on the tube, England Wales was on. Oh. <laughs> I knew about it. All right, moving on in the football news, and so City are in trouble this week. Oh, actually, no, no, actually, no, they're not. We'll get there. We'll get there. So this actually comes on from the Sterling thing. So VAR would be one thing that could have solved this. We had a couple of incidents this weekend. Uh, Charlie Austin who uh, scored a perfectly good goal that was then called back for VAR because they thought it touched Yoshida when he was about a foot away from the ball. He did fail to mention, I would literally watch match the day just before I came down, that Bertrand, if VAR was uh, in play, would have been sent off about 10 minutes prior <laughs> and had penalty gone their way, but he uh, he's not mentioned that. And Mitrovic scoring a perfectly good goal against Liverpool yesterday that wasn't offside. offside. When they played it back on match of the day, they were saying, yeah, not offside. And Liverpool did go right down the other end then and score. That's yeah. not Fulham, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. No. Uh, I was going to say, Alex looked like he was ready to uh, jump in. But no, I think it's just a case of, is VAR a realistic thing to be brought into the Premier League? When do we think it will be brought in? And are we in favour of it being brought in? Uh, the thing is, it's so we've seen it in the World Cup. I think the general consensus was that it does work mm. and but how it does work but however it doesn't necessarily change too much in the way of whether we were happy with decisions or not. I mean but like uh, so a good example of this and I I've forgotten which Spurs game it was recently played so many but the um the Spurs game recently I think it was a prem game where uh we we basically the team that we were playing had a goal disallowed because it was given offside when actually it wasn't. And then there was later on a um, a decision uh, that went against us uh, in terms of it wasn't given and it was a clear penalty or something like that. And it's kind of like, it's still going to be that. If there was VAR, we would have had a goal conceded 
and then the penalty. I mean, obviously, you know, the game changes after that goal, goal, that sort of stuff. But, you know, the decisions still go either way. It's still 50-50. And ultimately, those VAR decisions are still coming down to a person. And the referee, it's just they've got maybe a slightly better view is the one thing, but it's still a person's decision. I think it's a bit different in uh, football because you do have almost a separate panel there to help with the decision. And so you saw the difference there in the UFC this weekend. There was essentially a point where a Dars choke was locked in. The referee thought the fighter had gone out. He stopped the fight and the fighter hadn't. And so in certain states, they're allowed to review the decision. But reviewing the decision is the same guy that made the call. Uh, so he doesn't want to overturn his own decision. No. And he's just pointing and saying, no, this is why I thought it. And mm-hmm. they still get the decision wrong despite being able to review it. And there's, no, and there's no time constraints there. But... I thought the thing for me with VAR, and I remember on one of our first podcasts we spoke about this, and I was very opposed to it because I said it would slow the game down. I like having the controversy of it. But it didn't take that away from it at all. It slowed it down, but it didn't take the controversy away. In fact, it actually helped. In, it gave you more talking points. But I, I, think, I, think, I think one thing that I really dislike about VAR, and I think there's too much of it, is that it it does the way that players swarm the referee after we, it's already bad enough. Yeah. It's already bad enough, and then they swarm the referee oh. even more because they've actually got a reason to go and I, protest to him now. I I do think in the World Cup it was good, but it was like a novelty thing. It was like a new mm. toy, and I think you could get very quickly sick of it in the league if every thirty seconds it's going to. Oh, definitely. So they'd have to put in very strict guidelines. And now we've kind of used it a bit, then hopefully they could do that. You also have to weigh up the fact that um, having... There is probably, when you like look at the stats of it all, um, it's not a, that big a deal in the World Cup because the shows for each game are so long and there's normally another game after. But it'd be if you had VR in every single Premier League match, I reckon it would extremely add on quite a few more minutes into the total viewing time and take away from the post-match pundit time um, and all that sort of thing. Like, <laughs> in terms of, um, in terms of like, so we're talking down the road, if you've got every game like that, it just might have an effect in in terms of like screen time. I mean, if, if channels are prepared to set aside three and a bit hours for NFL, then I'm sure they're going to do it for football, which is going to have a far higher viewership. It's true, but the way that the money works out, that costs somebody something somewhere. It also, you get more advertisers yeah, in there yeah, at the yeah, same time. True. So it, true. it wouldn't be too surprising it's there. True, I, suppose. I think another thing with VAR is, and you see it a lot where if you slow something down so much, you can look a yeah. lot worse. Yeah. And I think you'll see a lot more of those Oh, but there was contact decisions that get given. Where in full time, it's it's more of a uh, it's like an easy judgment call to make. You can just go on your personal experience and just general knowledge and common sense. Whereas if you are going to a system, if say there's a certain amount of appeals, or if every time it's appealed in the box, the referee decides to look at it, it's very hard to rule out one like that, despite it being common sense. When you see it in slow motion yeah. and there is contact and a player goes to the ground. So I think it'd just be interesting. I'm not sure if it's something that they're going to be able to implement straight away, but they're also saying that you can't do it for half a season, so they're either going to have to like go all in yeah. or not at all. The thing is, we're talking about fouls again. Though. I mean, if you can surely bring it in for goals and offside, things that are pretty much less subjective, although some of them can be, borderline ones can be, but for the most part. The thing that made me laugh with... Uh, VAR was this week also showed us sort of the gold standard that seems to be as the TMO system in rugby. And obviously you had it with England rugby against New Zealand. Obviously the controversy was that there was quite a big difference in interpretation between Courtney Laws being offside or not. And all the commentators were like, no, no, that's fine. And then obviously he ended up not giving the try. So again, like you said, it hasn't really taken away the controversy. And it's also still down to subjectivity. But I think the strange thing, looking back as well, we've trialled it at the World Cup, which is the highest profile, biggest stage. So we've trialled it there. Why not implement it in the league? If the technology is in place, the Premier League's obviously got the infrastructure in place as well. Um, the question with that would be also: Do you just do it in the Prem then? So you can't do it in the Championship or League One or League Two because those clubs couldn't really facilitate it. But then you could have Championship games on TV, like the playoffs, or whatever. Do they then have it? It's, I don't know. Well, what they do for the League Cup now is they do it for 
League Cup games in Premier League stadiums, and that's literally that's, what they've set it to, which I know is... A little bit like the same argument with the half-a-season thing, then. Because then you've got some teams who've played in the Cup who've benefited from it, maybe, and others that haven't. I think my biggest gripe with it was I didn't know whether I could celebrate or not. I think we watched most, uh, if not all, the World Cup England games together. And I think every goal that went in, I had to say when it's offside. Just to double check before I got too excited. Like you said, maybe that was a novelty thing, but I actually almost quite like that. (laughs) Um, Moving on from there then, so we've got even more. So City are at the centre of some controversy regarding financial fair play to kind of simplify it for those that haven't read the story and just for the purpose of explaining it. It seems essentially most of their big deal sponsorships that have come in have essentially been companies created by their owners or bought by their owners as almost a way of like money laundering the financial fair play system and they've been caught out doing this and that's why they're able to have such a high budget because it goes as it's like a percentage or a portion of the money that comes in compared to what goes out is how it's like calculated. And so for them to have so much money coming in means they can spend that much more. And obviously they've been uh, caught doing that. And I know the punishment for most that have been uh, punished for failing the financial fair play has been uh, transfer embargo for say a season, dock points removed from the Champions League, but it seems to be the uh, transfer embargo and so seeing how dominant City were this weekend against United, the question here is, say it was a one-year transfer embargo, does that change the power shift in the league at all? Or is their, is their squad strong enough to see it out for a year and just keep going? 100% their squad is strong enough to see it out for another season. And do you know what? I'm going off, I'm going off particularly... So... I think there's been a lot of mixed opinions on Spurs this season of how well they're actually doing. When you've got to consider where we are actually managing to last so like still so far versus how good City's squad is compared to ours and the depth that they've got, I would have no doubt that they would still be able to challenge at the right at the top and hand hand any team like the thing is it's <sighs> That, Spurs can have City's budget and still find a way to lose it, so it's not down to that. <laughs> careful, careful. You don't want me to get mean again, do you? Because you're a bit soft on that. Um, the uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's and the thing is, there's still players in that City squad which aren't getting consistently in the starting eleven, and if they suddenly break through, it's like a new signing anyway. It's, I think, um, interestingly, say if it were to happen, so say if they got the transfer embargo in the transfer window just gone. And going into this season, it I'm like definitely clearly wouldn't have affected them. Maybe we don't know what could potentially happen come next Sunday, next summer with like players potentially leaving City or players uh, like you know managerial changes around the Premier League. What other teams do? So it's hard to call You're- in the future. Also, United are a window away from just going heads gone and just spunking money on anyone <laughs> they get a yeah, look at. Yeah, and and if. If teams get an opening for that, Chelsea are more than happy to do that. Arsenal, uh, one one year, are going to do it. I should, I should hope. <laughs> so it could be that that just triggers it, and so all teams are like, right, we're going to make a real go of it this year. And then Aguero would be a year older, Company would be a year older. Yeah, you'd have maybe a, uh, another year for the puzzles to be worked out if it if it can be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your premise also works on the idea that. They're kind of they're staying still, but the other clubs are also are as well. Whereas, if an embargo was in place, you'd think at least one club would kind of jump on them while they're vulnerable. Now, whether in that time you can make up the gap is a is quite a big question. But City would, you'd think they'd kind of be galvanised by it in a strange sort of way in terms of they're being kind of made to be a victim almost, which obviously isn't true because they've broken the rules, so should be punished. But. I do feel like he'd be able to use that. They they would have to be potentially fortunate with injuries. For example, with De Bruyne getting these injuries he had so far this season. Ultimately, if he carried on, if push came to shove, they could splash some money in January and get someone in. So if they didn't have that option, then maybe that would be something that would be to their detriment. But in the most part, I think they've probably got enough of a cushion over the rest of the league at the minute that if anyone was going to go through a transfer embargo, then they'd be able to cope with it. Although... 
maybe Spurs could <laughs> test that because they didn't well, get anyone in. Well, that, that's my point in terms of they... Right, against Spurs fans' wishes, though that isn't actually an embargo. They just chose not to. Yeah, run yeah. That, they, they've kind of act like they've had it enforced on them. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm sort of saying, like you're saying, it's it's interesting. You said that it potentially could galvanise the City squad to prove a point. Um, I mean, what I'm trying to say is with Spurs is we didn't even have that. It's like you know, is it, we just didn't have the bloody money to spend on them on like anything, and it's like we're still we're not any worse off than we were last year, excluding the Champions League maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, you could argue it's a tougher group perhaps. But it's it, the thing is, we're not any worse it. off. Um, and if we're going off the principle that City would suffer, we should be dying this season realistically. But we're not. Mm. So and to say that other teams around us haven't really strengthened in the last window isn't really that correct. I mean, it's ha- it wasn't what other windows were, but there were some decent signings around us, Liverpool in particular. Mm. But then, probably the first season in a while that Spurs could legitimately fall out of the top four. So yeah. In which case, you would have gone backwards. I, I would say we could have fallen out of the top four any season in the last three, in the last three, four. But then the way the season's played out, I think going into the season, you might have thought that. I think pretty quickly... They'd have been not shooing for the top four, but one of the favourites. Whereas mm. this season, I think it's it's kind of up in the air. You're kind of banking on the fact that Arsenal will continue playing like they are. But mm. I do, I do still. I think with the Spurs one, though, it kind of sent out a message to the players. I think that maybe, maybe a lack of ambition. Which mm. if the money's not there, it's not there. But to the players, that's all. That's how it will look. Mate, whereas, that, money, that money's not there. Whereas, We've all seen what's yeah, happened with the stadium. But if <laughs> if the if it's enforced on City, then I think it's a different message to their players. I think it's uh, it can create sort of what Fergie used to do with United, where he could create a sort of us against the world sort of mindset. Mm. From uh, there, then, if we switch from Spurs to United, so obviously they had the derby yesterday. We've all seen the stats without needing to run through an entire like sheet of them. United were largely outclassed. Is there any United player at the moment? That would get into uh, City's team starting eleven, we'll say. I th- I think um, obviously we're seeing very sporadic, if at all, moments from him. But I think you'd have to say it'd be interesting to see what Paul Pogba could do under a different manager. You can't deny his ability. You can't deny it. It's the there. Problem, the problem we just don't know what's going on at the moment. You wouldn't take him. anyone out from him, would you? So would you take out? You're not going to take out the Bruyne if he's fit. You wouldn't yeah. take out Silver. Yeah, and he ain't going to stick him in the head of Fernandinho. Yeah, That's we're saying we're saying that like he could potentially. Like, I, I get what you're saying, yeah. but it's always the thing with Pogba as well. It's always like we're talking about potential. Like he's like a 20 year old kid, but he is kind of he's played at Juve. He's, he's kind mm. of done. I think he is what he is. I think we're maybe kidding ourselves a little bit. He, he would be. Let's face it, almost tenfold better at City, and the manager that would let him play and express his sort of flair and creativity, I think he'd be a miles better player. Um, as far I'll as me, I'd, I'd have the hair over Edison still. Yeah, definitely. That like, maybe f- people question the form. I would still go with that. If you're going off the current starting eleven, it's not a single United starting apart bar the goalkeeper gets into that City like that starting eleven. De Gea heard everyone saying he's now the best keeper in the world. Forget about Neuer now. And it went to his head. <laughs> it's all gone horribly wrong. He's been out drinking with Lloris and not recovered. Lloris <laughs> is driving, it's fine. He's, he's alright, isn't there from wrong? <laughs> but no, I, I don't think any would get in currently. Would you have Edison over there? Not in the long run, but I mean, currently I wouldn't. I did have Lukaku down as a potential one. I don't think he's as bad as like some people. He seems to be one of them where when he plays well, everyone oh, look how good he is. And then he has a bad game and everyone's like, see, this is why Chelsea are so glad they didn't keep him and all this. It's that debate of the unknown, though. I mean, all I, these... I'd probably all take the... Lukaku over Jesus <sighs> as thing, my main guy. The, the thing is, is going off what we're seeing currently, uh, like those like the players that aren't doing so well at the moment in the United God got bought for those fees for a reason. Um, and you can never know what they would do under a different manager in a different team. They could be better comfortably than a lot of players that are in that city team. But you won't know that um, if we're go- if you're trying to summarise everything we've seen in their careers so far, you would say players like Pogba, Lukaku, uh, De Gea. Obviously, um, you could potentially throw in. Uh, Somebody you could Phil maybe Jones. you could maybe even consider somebody like oh no actually no 
No, because that's isolated to maybe one season. I was about He's to say running could... through the PFA per <laughs> month in his head. He I was going to say, one. I was going to say, I was going to say, you could off that brief that season, Lingard, one season, you could potentially go in a lot against the likes of. Don't you um, did call Lingard a one season wonder. <laughs> he hasn't really done much this season. He's been injured. It. Yeah, I know exactly, but it's what we did like last last season, but not the season before that. He didn't really do anything. <laughs> he was on chicken shop date last week, Lingard. <laughs> With Bernardo Silva. <laughs> I, I do also think United are guilty of, you can have a great player, but you'll, you'll kind of force him into a system that mm. either doesn't play to his strengths or one week you'll suit him, another week it won't. Mm. So like, good, like you'll, have, you see, you'll have Lukaku, he's a good player, but then people question his, sort of, his movement, his runs, which is absolutely fair to question, but then mm. he can benefit from a team where they put crosses in the box. United aren't doing that because the two they have on the wing will normally be someone like Martial or whoever wants to cut inside isn't going to want to just get to the bottom and put cross in. And the fullbacks probably aren't really allowed to get forward under Jose. Could you see Matic fitting into the City squad? Absolutely not. See, he's another player who's a brilliant player, but I couldn't see him fitting in. No, Fernandinho does too good a job in this. The thing you said as well about Lukaku going in over Jesus, unfortunately, that's you're essentially saying you have him ahead of him on the bench, wouldn't you? Because obviously yeah. Aguero's yeah, yeah. quite a big... Uh, Big force in the way of that. Okay, following on from the Pogba thing, no breaks today, we're all in. We've got a flow going. Okay, so the Cardinals released Sam Bradford last week and he's now amassed £127 million in career earnings for a losing record for 82 games. Who do you feel has been the biggest waste of money in sport? <sighs> Big question. Well, Pogba, if we kick off with that one, because... That's, Let's get out of the way now. Yeah, he he's our follow-on. So that was £89 million, I believe, yeah. to get him over there. And obviously, he's not lived up to that fee. I think just before we go into like Pugba, I think... So I'm going to look at this in terms of considering other players at the time were similar fees in terms of... like taking into account like the consideration of like either. in terms of like in, inflation in terms of in sport in general I mean sport in money in sport has gone up and up and up so you kind of I'm going to be not just on the figures alone but just off like how much that money actually was at the, the time for any time yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so like, like I know you said more than football but you could throw in a few people like you know Fernando Torres to Chelsea at the time was a complete waste mm. um, yeah, Andy Carroll to won a Champions League though Torres yeah, but could you really say that he dragged them there? <laughs> <laughs> he got the goal at the new Camp. He, he did, but <laughs> God, he God, God it forbid it. Yeah, he, yeah. Um, probably um, a good shout would probably potentially Robert Griffin the third from when the Redskins signed him initially. Because he <laughs> I didn't, didn't think he was going there. Wasn't it? <laughs> Robert Griffin the third. I mean, he. He, he was good, but ultimately didn't he didn't him? pay off. He, they, they did draft him, but when you consider his wages... and wages, does have to be taken into Yeah, I mean, I know they... Obviously, we had the the spree to the playoffs, and it was really exciting, but we didn't actually get anything. When you summarise what happened after that, nothing, really. Yeah. It, you know, it's kind of for the hype as well. Um, Not... Not question his quality as a player, but if you're going to go on that in terms of winning things and achieving things, Matt Stafford is—he was the highest-paid quarterback in the league at one point, and it's not only that they're not achieving things through him; it's also which have we touched on with American sports before. When you're taking that money, you are also—it is also the detriment of the rest of the team in terms of they can't put quality in around you. So we question with even people that we like, like LeBron and Aaron Rodgers. We say if you take that money then you do have to accept that the pieces around you aren't going to be quite the same quality. Well, what goes on from there then is uh, Jamarcus Russell, who was the number one pick from the Oakland Raiders in 2007, and uh, they gave him a six-year, $63 million deal, $32 million guaranteed. And um, he held out for signing the contract through his first trading camp and week one of the season. Uh, he won just seven games through for 18 touchdowns and 23 interceptions before being released in his third season. What? Yeah, so he's considered the biggest uh, bust of all time That's in the NFL draft. 
and uh, similarly uh, a contract bust in uh, the NBA. So uh, Gilbert Arenas uh, of the Wizards, you may also know him as being Mia Khalifa's co-host on a sports show that she used to have a complex. Um, and he was known for uh, threatening a teammate with a gun in the, in, a, in the locker room over a poker debt. But uh, he hit the lottery in 2008 when he signed a six-year, $111 million deal. He then played just two games in the 08-09 season due to injuries was suspended for most of the 09-10 season due to a handgun violation and was later traded to the Magic in December 2010, two years after signing that $111 million deal. <laughs> and trading in the NBA doesn't get rid of your wages. You still earn that same money until you're either cut and you're paid off in full or the contract expires. <laughs> I got a, a curveball suggestion here. Oh, no. And what, it's a bit... Well, RG3 wasn't. It's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit left field in terms of... For the first part of his career, he was obviously more than worth the money. And it's kind of, it's actually like, when you say worth, he wasn't actually ever bought or like by some, because it's not, that's not how the sport works in terms of maybe the money that was spent on him in terms of sponsorship and belief that he would come back and do something. Tiger Woods? Tiger Woods. You think of the amount of sponsorship money that he's got over the last few years. Do you think of the amount of sponsorship money that he's had got given to him over the last years, expecting that he would make that return? He's going to get that. He's going to get that that tall win, and he he got his first win, which we kind of came to the conclusion of the other day. It was really nothing, like nothing compared to the. Think of the amount of sponsorship money which would have been spent on him in the last ten years, well, and actually get cut. But yeah. I, I know, but like in terms of think of the affair game, like expecting him to make this comeback, and he never has, and it, like and that has been it's been years now, years since the whole affair thing came out, and all that money was lost. I mean, you can take that yeah, into but, account as well because the amount of money that was wasted on an icon for that, and yeah. like you know, it, that's, it adds up. That's not so much a waste of money in sport though, and it's like he's he's playing for the cash. He's he doesn't have a salary that is like being wasted. So like the comeback is yeah. That's why I said it was a bit left field in terms of it's how you determine. It's like it's not like somebody has bought him for a team or something like that. Every like shame cyclist, as it in that case, hey. there'd be money poured into them. That... Think of the amount of money that was poured into Lance Armstrong, exactly. and then the amount of damage that and that has life. done to the sport. Yeah, you absolutely. know. If Alice did look like he was struggling for a few options um, earlier, when reality he could just look to that Tottenham <laughs> transfer when they saw Bale that whole window and be like, right, pick pick your uh, pick your player as to who you want I, to be the biggest. Weight. I feel like I've talked about Spurs enough. It did cross my mind. It did so cross my mind. Firmly top of my list, <laughs> just because at least other players I've kind of seen. Okay, you've been a waste of money, but I've at least seen a flash of what you could do. I have not seen. Do you know what? I cannot remember. So we spent like twenty-eight million. No, it was like thirty-six million on Lamella. Uh, we spent like fourteen million on Ericsson or something Ericsson ridiculous. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and then I can't remember how Paulinho. much was it like twenty. Paulinho was thirty. Paulinho, it, so I, 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 no, 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 on Sissoko. I could have sworn that. Yeah, though, oh, Sissoko, Jesus. Um, the um, I could have sworn Sadado was more something like twenty-six or something I, like because he was older as well I when we still signed about, him. I thought it was about thirty mil. I could be wrong, but I I'm pretty sure it was under the thirty mil because I mean, like. I mean, if you were to say that he was 30 mil, Paulinho was 30 mil, and Lamella was 30 mil, there's like, that's, we signed five players, remember? Lamella was after though, wasn't he? Um, no, it wasn't. It was the five players that they signed was that, uh, it was Capoue, Lamella, uh, Ericsson, uh, Paulinho, and, no, not Dembele. Dembele, we, we already had him. Um, Wanyama? No, Wanyama was Pochettino. People forgetting Chiroshesh. I can't, I'm not even sure I'm saying his name, but that was that window. Yeah. Um, that was a bad one. Yeah, who was the centre-back? Began with F. Yes, uh, Fazio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, bad, he's, bad typically he went, uh, so obviously Soldado went back to Spain and actually did all right. And Fazio went to Roma? Was it Roma? Sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he actually was pretty decent yeah. there, which yeah. says a lot about but. To be fair, I mean Spurs are quite standout in terms of that large sum of, because it, because of the limelight of the money that it came, where the money came from, and what we did spend on. To be fair, if you went into, if you could probably add up all the money that was wasted by other clubs, it would probably be worse if not. Oh, it, you know. I mean, speaking of uh, athletes, and I don't want to be done for defamation here. So the team that rhymes with the uh, Russian pit. 
could uh, they've wasted a lot of money on uh, certain athletes, <laughs> some in the Gloucester area. But what I'm worth every penny. <laughs> one that's uh, goes under the radar. So uh, Dembele from Dortmund to Barca was 150 million. And that is quite easily forgotten. I'd forgotten about it myself until I just looked at like the most expensive transfers ever. So there was that one there. I mean, I said what I said in the last one, but a lot consider Lukaku to be a waste of money when you think that was 85 million euros. You've got to think as well, the amount of... Um, so those Chinese teams that bought a lot of players for like massive money and they were like there yeah. for literally no time at all. And didn't make the money back. So there's Levetsi. Yeah, is one of the only ones that actually stayed out there. So it's you're not going to get a million a week. He's yeah. I mean, like it's may not money in the eye, like in the main eye, but that if you think of that, that's Oscar's on four hundred and fifty grand a week. Because yeah, if you try nah. and sign him a football manager, he expects to be paid the same. Like, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, Morata to Chelsea is another one. When you think of the praise he gets for scoring two yeah. against, like <laughs> some of the garbage he does. A throwback one, like Alex said, in terms of uh, going back in the term of the prices. So when Francis Jeffers was bought for ten million, that stopped Wenger spending yeah. any money for about ten seasons afterwards, purely because he didn't live up to that eight million plus two million add-ons. It was it was buy. that player who Alex Ferguson bought to United, who was meant to be like this amazing next thing, like big thing. Bebe? That was it. The yeah, Bebe. yeah, he was homeless. Yeah, yeah. How much did he get bought for? He was only like seven million, but eight so seven million for some, that. Yeah. So seven million, and that's all money was what today? What like thirty million today, or something like that? Twenty million. Twenty. All right, right. but still, you know, for, yeah. to get nothing, yeah. absolutely nothing from it. I mean, that's seven million gone. Get, seven million is like life changing to anything else. Yeah. It's a lot. Gets overlooked because of because um, Ronaldo got signed by them for a world record fee, like a couple of weeks later. But Kaka was the world record fee for Real Madrid at one point, and he didn't really do anything at Real Madrid. People kind of overlook it because he obviously he was an unbelievably good player at Milan. But he, he, right, how many good games do you reckon he had for Madrid? Did you ever see him do anything for them in Champions League? You don't disrespect greatness like that. To be fair, to be Did fair, you see what that Pato supposedly came out and said. He said he walked into the AC Milan changing room when he was seventeen. Ronaldo has approached him and given him a Playboy magazine, and he said. You're either going to be in my camp or in with the caca camp, which is like the religious camp. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. Oh, like no. Two massively contrasting characters. Oh, God. Um, I'll tell you what, though. Talking about Real Madrid, the Galactico, the, so the, the Galactico yeah. squad, when you summarise the amount of money that was spent and what they actually won, I'd say that was a, like, you know... You could say that you know just the the profile of the team probably got the money back in terms of shirt sales and all that. So in terms of just like as a marketing project, it probably got its money mm-hmm. back. But I mean, as a whole, the amount of money that was spent and what they won, yeah. you deem that as a massive failure today. Yeah. Well, like you just said about that pasta thing, do you reckon at Stoke they come in and crouch? Is like, look, you and me, you're with Hoof back there, <laughs> and it's Hoof just having a shit with a door open. <laughs> I mean. Like we said, so probably the, the the main ones I had was Pogba, Dembele, Lukaku, Morata. But there, there's all sorts, and I think you mainly see the ones for your club. But, I mean, a lot of the Arsenal ones I have looked back, they weren't for that much cash, so they weren't such a waste of money as they were a waste of time. But I can think of a few, but like like you said, they're not for that much money. I think Lamella I mean, should be near the top you, of any list. Um, like Arshavin, Javinio. Javinio was like 12 million. Was he? Yeah. Um, at the time, it was a half decent amount of money. You signed Squalacci for twelve million, which at the time was for a centre back was quite good money. We forget until uh, around the Urzel time, our, our our record fee was still uh, nineteen million for Jose Antonio Reyes. <laughs> so that showed how uh, frugal we were with our cash up until that point. But. I mean, Andy Carroll. Have we have we touched on there? That's that's that saga yet? Because I mean, Liverpool. They had when like they can say they had the one or two bad windows, and for there on it, no one ever any Liverpool fan criticised anything. It was like, well, your team signed Andy Carroll, so you can't say anything <laughs> yeah. at all. We had the uh, the Gary Neville at Valencia syndrome, didn't we? <laughs> I just they all just fell back on that. 
But yeah, Liverpool, like I said, when they've got it wrong, they've got it badly wrong. You could kind of reel them off. Like, obviously, Carroll, but then Stuart Downing was signed for 20 million. Uh, Balotelli was 16 million, I think. Um, Lazar Markovic is still at the club, <laughs> still having loan spells. <laughs> so. Do you hold Liverpool as more of a waste of money for signing Carroll, or do you hold West Ham worse for signing him, having seen what they saw at <laughs> Liverpool? Because that couldn't like encapsulate West Ham any more. They still spent like twenty million. They give a new deal after. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing with him is kind of what I alluded to with Soldado, whereby I don't think necessarily he was ever going to work for Liverpool, but for a club at West Ham, I guess you you can see what he can do. They've also seen his injuries and stuff though, which is, makes you question why they give him a new deal. But you can see what he can do, what he can bring. Whereas like, some players, when they have been signed for a big fee, I do wonder. Like, I I couldn't even justify like, why you've. The one that often gets banded about is um, Aquilani at Liverpool, but I I could see at least he did have some talent. Obviously, it didn't obviously never came close to working out. But could you um like change in the sport? Would uh, off the top of your head, would you say uh, once again it's like a bit like the Tiger Woods thing? Could you say would you any like sort of fighters, boxers, UFC uh, being deemed as a huge waste of money? Well, I mean, most of the guys that they gave the big PBC contracts to were a waste of money, but most of the time, if you're not fighting, then you're not making cash. So it's down to promoters in terms of making the making the offers. So they're not really going to give someone a massive contract, and if they are, then they're just not going to give them a fight. If we're going to talk about fights, we've got to give Big Old the Harrison credit for. <laughs> you reckon he made a million from the fight with Hay where he threw a punch? So, one million for a punch. Even Floyd ain't doing that. <laughs> oh, this is this is completely separate. I was just going to ask you this earlier, TK. <laughs> this Groich at Liverpool. This what? Sorry, Groich. However, you say his name. Mm. He must be unbelievable because he's still there every season. On my football manager, he pops up every year with about four-star potential ability. So I don't know who he is and when when he's when he's coming out part is going to be. He's he's definitely seen as like a big thing, but everyone's kind of says for the future. I, I can't remember how old he is. But is he nineteen twenty now? So is it kind of the stage where if you are like a in quotation marks wonder kid, then you should probably start to be breaking through now. And he's a he's quite a big lad as well. So you'd thought physically he's ready for it. Hopefully they bring him back in the summer maybe. Just maybe a final one for recent times. So Mello is looking like he's going to get cut from the Rockets, <laughs> yeah, and so he, so he's had it over uh, the last couple of years. Because where was it? He went uh, before the Rockets because he was waived from there. I was just going to quickly check, but I don't really have the time to be looking. But whoever he was at before there. He was cut from there and they spent about 20 million on him. So we got that payout. And then if he gets cut here, then he's going to get another 3 million and he'll probably join someone else. He'll probably go to the Lakers if he gets cut here. No, surely not. Well, they just signed Tyson Chandler. So they clearly have no shame at all. And they're going to be going for anyone who they can class as a veteran. If we get Dwight Howard in next, he's got to be in there as well, just for being Dwight Howard. It was the Hawks I was referring to. And oh. <laughs> for them to think not even Mello could help them is probably quite indicative of how things have gone. It's a, Stephen A would tell you it's a blasphemous thing to say, but people said it about Kobe in his last season or two that he was the biggest waste of money. He's getting a max contract or whatever that for the player at that stage of his career probably couldn't really justify him seeing more of the ball than anybody. So he still carried on receiving just as much of the ball as he ever did but couldn't be anywhere near as effective. People were... I think I remember, was it Kellerman's first show on first take? He was like, he's probably the worst player in the league. I, like, I think he was trying to do hot takes because obviously he said about Brady falling off a cliff the same episode. So he thought, I've got to step into Skip's shoes here. Okay, so two days ago now, Jimmy Butler was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers, ending his somewhat uh, ropey stay with the Timberwolves. <laughs> Um, so it looks like the Eastern Conference basically is sparing no expense between them in trying to take LeBron's crown we've had uh, Butler join what was referred to as the Eastern Conference and uh, now it seems that not only is it filled with some of the best players it's also filled with an air of competitive teams so the question here AJ's deserted us is the Eastern Conference now the premier conference in the NBA I think for starters, I'll say I think the East has 
kind of been shit on traditionally where I think when referred to as the least in conference such, I think there's been better teams in there than maybe previously given credit for. And in a similar way as I'm going to come on to has happened in the West, I think where LeBron keeps winning each year, there's kind of this perception that it's him and everyone else is the also runs, whereby I think when you look at it, you look at the Celtics team, the Raptors team, they've always been close. It's just maybe LeBron's just, just about edged the Cavs over. Um, I think we've got to be careful though where what we're getting is a competitive Eastern Conference where you've got four or five really good teams that we're not then just looking at the West and thinking, well, they don't have anything like that just because of how good the Warriors are. Like Underneath Golden State, you do have <laughs> some very good teams. It's just because of how far ahead they are. That's kind of what I was going to say. And so the Eastern Conference was only really shut on because it didn't have the competitive nature that the West had. And so now it's flipped. And so as much as there are other good teams in the West and there was never a shortage of good teams in the East, it's far more competitive now to win the Eastern Conference than it is the West because Mm. the Warriors look like they're not going to have too much trouble. I mean, most teams, you wouldn't pick them to even go to a seven-game series with. No. At At the most trouble you're going to give them is the Rockets... And yeah. even then, and they're underperforming so far. If you pick the Rockets to win, then you're going to be looked at funny. Whereas if you pick the Sixers, the Celtics, the Raptors to win the East or the Bucks, mm. then people are going to at least hear you out when making the point more so than they are giving you someone to win the West. But is saying it's competitive? Is that saying it's the Premier one? No, I would say uh, the Premier one is the team that has the best team in it. So I would still say it's the West, but but. The- we're only saying it by the East because it's almost like a vacant throne because LeBron's gone, so it's sort of like a sort of scatter for right, right who can but still, race to it. That's for the last three years. That's what we've been moaning about is having not having competitive basketball because you knew who was going to win the East and you knew who was going to win the West, and then you pretty much knew who was going to win the West when it came through to it. And you'd say that the teams in the East, looking at the Celtics in particular, are probably more equipped to be the Warriors than anyone else. So I would have said that last season as well, though. And so, yeah, but I mean, at least... So in terms of the change, the only yeah. thing that has changed is LeBron's no longer there. In yeah. terms of Celtics, aren't any different. But there's more Other competition. There's more competition. So the Sixers are stronger. Embiid looks like you can actually stay healthy a bit longer. The Raptors Bucks, are obviously stronger. Yeah, the Bucks are like, they've kind of aged to the point now where the Greek freak is strong enough to lead a team and he has parts around him. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're currently the second best team in the NBA going on the... Yeah going on the records. You've got a fit Celtics team, which you didn't have last year. People still have question marks over Kyrie's fitness, though. But you'd hope by the time the playoffs come around, then... I mean, in terms of just being able to like stay injury-free yeah. is, is the question, rather than fitness is maybe a, a loose term. Yeah, I suppose it's going to take some time to see how uh, they adapt at, at the 76ers. I think they're still going to make some more trades because they've essentially got rid of shooters and getting rid of Sarich and Covington and they got rid of team players as well. So I think they're going to need someone to kind of blend the two units together and someone that can get them reliable points off the bench. It's looking like they're going to try and pick up Carl Corver once he's waived by the Celtics just as some veteran shooting off the bench, which yeah. uh, I'm sure he'd probably be fine then because he's not going to have the LeBron pressure. He's not expected to win. And he can kind of come off the bench and do his thing. He's not supposed to be a main a, a go-to guy. Yeah. He wasn't supposed to be at the Cavs. It just kind of happened. Yeah, but then even when he was meant to step up, then he wasn't. So, but then uh, the point I was making, I guess, is that just because the Warriors are so far in head at the, f- the front of the West doesn't mean it's less competitive, kind of beneath that. Because would you then would you take the, the teams we mentioned in the East? But would you then take say Portland? Nuggets, Spurs, well, the Nuggets, Pelicans, also- even Utah. They're, they're kind of they're teams that would be competitive with the ones in the East that we've yeah. mentioned there, and that's without mentioning the Rockets and the Golden State, who are obviously probably coming into the season going to be a little bit out in front of the rest of them. So we are looking at still a conference that's got the best team in, and it's potentially as deeper still. Yeah, I mean, all we want is it to be competitive, but I think. As much as it might be too far to go all the way over and say that the East is now... I mean, I think it'll be the better one to watch, no doubt. Yeah. And I think 
as much as it may not be the premier one, and I think I don't think it will be in terms of even when you have maybe slightly better teams uh, in some of the seedings in the East, you'd still rather see LeBron and the Lakers than you would. Yeah, so I guess that true. comes into it there. The the gap's closing. It's just I think people have kind of quickly sort of jumped ship or, or trying to get a hot take on it on some of these sports shows and stuff that are quickly saying, oh, well, the East, the East the best one now, which... Well, I mean, there's, there's a the, lot... The points that are in favour of the East are kind of the same thing people have been saying about it not being as bad as people have said before in the build-up to this. If, if Durant comes to the East in the mm. summer, that could be the game-changer. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Especially if he comes to New York. After all you've said about him, you're welcome with open arms. Never said anything oh, about him. Oh, wow. And that's on record. <laughs> But no, as as we've said there, I think the West is West is still the best for the time Hold being. It on. But it's it's closing ever so, ever ever so uh, gradually as we get there. But anyway, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Pod. As always, if you could check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, leave us a review, a reshare, all that business on both of those, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you.